We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and X-Zone Broadcast Network. Visit our website at www.xzoneradiotv.com. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back to the excellent everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talk Star Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and Star Cable. If you'd like to give us a call, worldwide toll free 1 800 610 7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, you can always chat with us here in our studios 24 hours a day. TV at hotmail.com and our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. Don't forget the April edition of the X Chronicles is out. If you'd like to receive your complimentary link, all you have to do is send an email to exxon at exxoneradiotv.com and we'll send you the link. You can read the paper online, you can download it, you can print it, you can do whatever you'd like to do with it. All with the compliments of our advertisers. That's a W. Uh, just send an email to exxon at exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dr. Robert uh, Piccioni, and he is the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? Hmm, excellent question. Robert graduated from Caltech with a Bachelor of Science in Physics. He has a PhD in high energy physics from Stanford University. 
Uh, let me see. He was on the research faculty of Harvard University, ran eight high-tech companies, and holds patents for medical equipment, smart energy, and microelectronics. Now retired, Robert devotes full time to providing public access to exciting and important scientific discoveries. He speaks at schools, universities, churches, and civic groups, and is the award-winning author of two books. Now, Robert says, and this is a quote, You don't have to be a great musician to appreciate great music. And the same applies to science. Robert hosts his own radio show, Guide to the Cosmos, on webtalkradio.net. And Robert Pichini, welcome back to the Exo. Nice talking to you again, Robert. Well, thank you for inviting me, Rob. It's a real pleasure to be with you. The door is always opened. There you go. Fantastic. Robert, tell us a little bit about your your new book, Can Life Be Merely an Accident? Well, you know, scientists have believed for decades, probably about half a century, Mm -hmm. that life began when the right molecules just happened to bang into each other in just the right way. And I was born a scientist. I've always been a scientist, and that's what I always believed because Mm -hmm. that's what I was taught. And, you know, countless times I've told people that. And when I was writing my first book, I had to go back and review some of the basics of physics so I could explain everything I wanted to explain, you know, things I hadn't touched for 40 years. And I kept seeing these little peculiar things about the universe that just had to be a certain way in order to make life possible. And after I finished writing that book, these things sort of rattled around in my mind. And then I realized that all these things came together with a really startling result. And that is that our universe is amazingly precisely tuned to make life possible. So then I tried to calculate how likely that could be Mm -hmm. as a result of just random chance. And I got the world's smallest number. I mean, the most extraordinarily unlikely thing it could possibly be is that life originated entirely by accident. And so that's what my book is about. Robert, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exo Nation, our very special guest of this hour is Dr. Robert Piccini. Uh, he is the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? His website is www.guidetothecosmos.com and you can listen to his radio show on webtalk.net. Webtalkradio.net, I'm sorry. That's www.webtalkradio.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we ask the question to the good doctor, can life be merely an accident? I'll be back. Don't go away. In the heartland, Jackie gonna be a football star. Diane's debutante backseat of Jackie's car. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, one and all. Dr. Robert Petroni is my special guest. He is the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? His website is www.guidetothecosmos.com. And you can also listen to Dr. Petroni's uh, webcast on webtalkradio.net as well. So there you go. Uh, interesting guy, and you're going to see why he's got his own show and why we love him here on the X-Zone over the next hour. Now, now tell me, Robert, how did you come to be a physicist? Well, Rob, I was born a physicist. I really didn't have any choice in the matter. How is my one father... born a physicist? <laughs> Sorry? How is one born a physicist? Well, my father was a high-energy physicist, mm-hmm. and uh, all he ever talked about at home was physics. Ah. And all the friends that came over to the house were all physicists. In fact, a lot of them ended up winning the Nobel Prize, so he had some pretty good friends. And I thought everybody was a physicist until I went to the first grade and found out that other kids' parents were firefighters Mm -hmm. and lawyers and all sorts of strange things. And I was an expert on antimatter by then in the first grade, but uh, the kids had to explain to me what a shortstop was because I had no idea. So I've always been a scientist, and I love it. You know, it's it's great. It's like being paid to have fun. I mean, science is really discovery and exploration and never stop asking the question mm-hmm. why. You know, so it's it's a lot of fun. And tell me, what is high-energy physics, and, and what does it have to do with life? Well, high-energy physics is the study of the smallest pieces of nature, And one of the things that we've discovered is that all of nature is really connected. The biggest things in the universe are connected to the very smallest things. And the high-energy physicists study these very smallest things and their interactions. And if you understand that, then you can start to understand how all the bigger things work together, including how the universe works. So is it safe to say that high-energy physics are actually the building blocks to everything that we see, hear, feel, our, our total existence? Yeah, yeah. Everything that we see around us is made of atoms, and the atoms are made of particles, mm-hmm. and the job of a high-energy physicist is to figure out all the particles there are and what they do. And you need a lot of energy to do that because the smaller you look, I mean, the, the more powerful mm-hmm. your microscope, the more energy you have to pump into it. Robert, why did you write... Can life be merely an accident? Well, my overall mission is to provide 
public access to science. I think that there are a lot of exciting discoveries that are being made in science, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, scientists don't do it a good job, typically, of informing the public about these things. And all of us are bombarded every day with this ocean of information that's coming at us, you know, from the news media, from politicians, from the newspapers. And a lot of the issues that we all face today, the economy, energy, the climate, the environment, our health, all of these things involve a certain amount of science. And I think that if people had a better understanding of science, and they don't have to go really deeply into it, and they don't have to learn a lot of math and jargon, but the basic ideas are really sort of simple. And if people had an appreciation for those ideas, I think they'd be more comfortable making the kind of decisions that we have to make in society, and I think they'd be happier with the results. So my life book is really an attempt to show that science doesn't have a clue how life began. Wow, that's a heavy statement coming from a physicist. Yeah, I mean, some scientists, you know, really have this arrogant attitude that science is going to answer all questions, that we know all things, mm -hmm. and there's nothing important except science. And in particular, you know, they go attack religious people. Right. Yeah, you know in all sorts of inappropriate ways. And I think that that's really a bad thing for scientists to do, and it's totally inappropriate, and it's actually a very stupid thing to do. Um, science is great at asking, answering a lot of questions, particularly those that have a number as the answer, but science is not the way that you can answer some of the most important questions in life. I mean, we can't measure or compute the purpose of human life or why we're here or what we're supposed to do or... You know, how is a person supposed to live their life to be a good person? All of those are ethical decisions. And, you know, attacking faith as, as an answer to those questions, I just think makes no sense at all. I agree so with you there. Sorry? I said I agree with you there. Yeah. So when science takes the position that we understand how life was created, mm -hmm. and in fact, Scientific American in, in the last few months, the editors of Scientific American said in very bold letters that science has understood that, there's just a few details to be filled in, and, uh, you know, life was a random event, and that's it. And really, that's a bunch of bunk. I mean, there, it is one of the greatest mysteries that's still to be addressed. And I think that, you know, unless everyone understands that, no one's going to look to see what, what the answer to that mystery is. So know, I don't know the answer to the mystery, but I know it's a mystery, and we ought to go after it. So is that why part of your title is merely an accident? Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of merely indicates that it's not as, you know, it wasn't destined mm -hmm. to be in some sense, right? It happened just randomly. And uh, it can't have, you know, what I show in my book, is that the probability that life evolved anywhere in the universe, in the entire expanse of space, and in the entire expanse of the age of the universe at any point in time, the fact even the most modest little bacteria, the odds of that happening are less than drawing the ace of spades a thousand times in a row. Even one bacteria anywhere in the entire universe is less likely 
than drawing the ace of spades a thousand times in a row. So for science to claim that they have the answer is, just doesn't make any sense at all. So what is a what is a plausible hypothesis on how we came to be? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's up to the people to figure for themselves. You know, it's not that I want to tell people what to believe. I, mm-hmm. I just want to show people what we know. You know, I sort of think of it this way. I can show you how to get to the top of the mountain. I know right. this nice walking trail. When we get to the top of the mountain, you're going to look at a spectacular site on the other side, and you don't, need to t- you don't need me or anyone else to tell you what you're looking at. You know, all of us can figure out what, we're, what we think about things. So some people will say, well, this is, you know, a clear indication that there's an existence of a god or some mm-hmm. supernatural uh, person that has created life. And other people can say, well, you know, there's got to be some natural process. We haven't discovered it yet, and, you know, one day we will. There were lots of things that science couldn't answer in the past, and as time evolved, we've been able to answer some of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them we still can't answer. So. So maybe there is a scientific explanation, but I guarantee you that no one on the face of the earth knows what it is today. Is it possible to have both science and religion in the same arena? Well, I think absolutely it is. In fact, there was a recent survey that was published in the L.A. Times that said that 51% of scientists believe in some form of God, some divine entity. And that may surprise a lot of people. And in fact, that percentage is higher today than it was, let's say, 50 years ago. So I think, and you know, the most famous physicists in existence, Newton and Einstein, both were very uh, strong in their belief in God. You know, they didn't necessarily belong to a specific religion, mm-hmm. but their faith in God was was absolute. Um, the man who invented the theory we call the Big Bang. He was a Roman Catholic monk. So all of these people felt that science and religion were compatible. And in fact, they really felt that the Word of God was written in the stars, it was written in the galaxies, it was written in the atoms, it was written in the trees and the grass, that God had created all of that, and if you understood the universe, Mm -hmm. that would bring you closer to God. And that's really what was driving these people. So I don't think there's any question that God and that science and religion can be compatible. You know, looking at the 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 possibilities, which are endless, do you think that with the introduction of quantum physics, quantum mechanics, and, and string theory, that more of the answers to the questions that we've been seeking throughout time will be forthcoming? Well, I think we'll continue to learn more and more, but quantum mechanics in particular has made some of those answers uh, probably more difficult. Uh, Quantum mechanics has declared that there are things that we really will never know, which was a big blow to science. Um, Newton thought that given the laws of physics, which he wrote down, Mm -hmm. if you knew where everything was right now and where it was going, you'd be able to predict the future of everything in the universe for all time in the the future. 
and Einstein believed that too. And quantum mechanics says that that's completely false, that there is an intrinsic uncertainty in nature, and even if you knew everything, which you certainly can't, you'd still not be able to, to predict the future, that the future is fundamentally uncertain. So there will be questions that we will probably never be able to answer, and there, there will be other questions that we will be able to answer. Stand by, Robert. You and I have to take a commercial break with the news. Dr. Robert Piccioni is my special guest. He's the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? Hmm, good question. His website is www.guidetothecosmos.com. That's www.guidetothecosmos.com. And you can also listen to Robert's radio show, Guide to the Cosmos, on webtalkradio.net. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Break down the garden gate. There's not much time for today. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. So, I went back to the doctors because when I needed a second opinion, and I went back and told him he was a good doctor, but he wasn't there. I got some woman in a white coat standing there. I said, excuse me, but who are you? She said, I'm a nurse practitioner. I said, you mean you're practicing being a nurse? She said, no, 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 not quite like that. No, I am a qualified nurse. I said, oh, then why do they call you a practitioner? Because you're practicing on me. I'm not sure I want that. She said, no, 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 no. Nurse practitioners are allowed to give you prescriptions, help you with minor surgeries, and all that kind of thing. I, you know, and I take care of you when the dog's not around. She said, we're going to become really popular. I said, well, blimey, somebody like you is going to be really popular. Let me tell you. Oh, she said she got offended with that. So I said, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. But now I know what a nurse practitioner is, don't I? Remember that, nurse practitioner, they're the future. Find a good one. For more information on Alfie and Jeff Knott, visit www.navigatingthehealthcaremaze.com. That's www.navigatingthehealthcaremaze.com. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Splenza, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the XM. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Thank you. 
And welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network and the X-Zone Broadcast Network and Star Cable. If you'd like to give us a call toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email X-Zone at XZoneRadioTV.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at Hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. To get your complimentary copy of the X, Zone, uh, the X Chronicles newspaper, simply send me an email, exxoneradiotv.com. Say, hey, Rob, can I get a link to the paper? It's that simple. We'll send it to you with the compliments of all our advertisers. My guest this hour is, Dauber, is Dr. Robert Piccioni. And he's the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? His website, www.guidetothecosmos.com. And uh, Robert, what are some of the requirements for the existence of life? Well, I've grouped them into four categories in my book. Uh, One is that we have to have a viable universe Mm -hmm. that produces stars, which are the basis of life. And also the universe has to have the right geometry. The next set of requirements have to do with atoms. Life depends on atoms, and it requires, in fact, atoms that are rather rare and have taken billions and billions of years to be produced. Then the third set of requirements has to do with the local habitat, and you know, it has to be a viable habitat, perhaps something like our own mm-hmm. planet Earth, which is, in fact, remarkably special. And then the last requirement is really the most stringent of all, And that is that you need some sort of a genetic code that defines what this life is going to be and how it's going to be built. Because, you know, we all started from one cell, and we are a self-assembling mechanism, right? I mean, we we built ourselves up from just one cell into Mm -hmm. the huge structures that we are. So our DNA is, in fact, the most complex and sophisticated structure that anyone has ever observed in the entire universe. There is nothing in nature that is anywhere close to being as intricate as DNA. And it's truly a remarkable thing. Do we take ourselves for granted? Well, I think in a sense we do, Rob, because, you know, for instance, if you look at at DNA... Mm -hmm. Each of us has a complete set of our own DNA in every cell in our body. And each one of those sets has 100 billion atoms in it. So that's as many atoms as there are stars in a galaxy. So each one of your cells has this structure that's as complicated as a galaxy. But it's actually much more sophisticated than a galaxy. Because if we were to take, let's say, 10% of the stars on the left side of the Milky Way and switch them with 10% of the stars on the right side of the Milky Way, it would probably make no difference at all. The galaxy would just continue rotating. But if you start mucking around with the atoms inside DNA, pretty soon you'd be dead. (coughs) Excuse me. Hmm. So all of those 100 billion atoms more or less have to be in the right place. I mean, you know, your DNA is different than mine, and everybody else is a little different. But all humans have DNA that is 99.9% the same. And the requirement of all of those atoms lining up in just the right way to make you is just an astonishingly complex design. 
What is what is special about the atoms we're made of? Well, when the universe was created, there were only two kinds of atoms, hydrogen and helium. And they're both gases. Mm-hmm. Helium doesn't react with anything at all, so you can't make anything out of helium. And hydrogen, you know, it's just you can have one hydrogen atom or you can have two, and that's it. So there's no chance of making anything interesting out of hydrogen and helium. Now, all the other atoms that exist, you know, there's 100 atom types on the periodic table, 100 elements. Every one of those other atoms was created by a star. So every carbon atom in the entire universe was made in the center of a star. And every oxygen atom, every iron atom, all these atoms that are essential for the existence of any form of life were produced in the center of a star. And it took billions of years. And it had to be stars that were much more massive than the sun to produce these heaviest elements. And when these stars died, they exploded, some of them creating these beautiful structures we see called supernova, one of the most violent events that's ever occurred in in the universe since the Big Bang. And that violent event is really the source of our life. Thanks to that explosion, those critical elements that were produced in the center of the star get spread throughout the galaxy. You know, all those atoms are blasted off into space, and they seed these great gas clouds that exist in the cosmos. Some of these gas clouds are hundreds of trillions of miles across, and they can sit there for a billion years. And then one day, part of that gas cloud starts to collapse, and it forms a new star. And that new star might have planets on it. And because the previous stars have died and exploded, that gas now contains carbon and oxygen and iron and all these other things. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't exist. So it's, that's really a remarkable thing. But that's not, that's not the spin that the Bible would have you believe. Well... You know, I look at the Bible as having some very interesting messages, some mm-hmm. very profound statements. And if you look, for instance, at the book of Genesis and, and the story that the Bible tells about the origin of the universe and the origin of everything else, right. and you look at the scientific story of the origin of the universe and the origin of everything else, these two stories have a remarkable resemblance I mean, yeah, science says it's 13.7 billion years, and the book of Genesis says seven days. But, you know, that's not the most important part of the message. To me, the most important part of the message is that they both say our universe did not always exist, that it came into existence at a single instant in time, that all of the energy sprung forth from this starting point in time and space, and that the stars and the planets and life and all of that evolved over time from that beginning. And that's really a remarkable story if you think about it. It certainly is. It it has a lot to say, and the fact that science comes up with essentially the same story, you know, I think that's a very interesting situation, that they, they both arrived at the same conclusion. And I don't worry about the numbers. You know, the numbers are not... 
no one's going to believe in God or not believe in God because it's six instead of seven or some other. Exactly. Number. Yeah. T- t- tell me, Robert, what is so special about Earth? Oh, Earth is not just the best of the eight or nine planets, depending on how much of a Pluto fan you are. Mm-hmm. I, I still hang on to Pluto. I, you know, I grew up with Pluto being a planet, and I haven't given up on that yet, but it's officially been demoted, so there are only eight planets. But the Earth is far better than just the best of eight. I think it's probably more like the best of a billion planets. You'd have to go through a billion planets out there to find one as good as the Earth. One of the things that makes the Earth so great is the fact that we have this huge concentration of iron in the center of the Earth. That iron is still molten, and it gives us this enormous magnetic field that protects our atmosphere from the sun. The sun puts out one million tons of charged particles every second. This is called the solar wind. And if we didn't have a magnetic field, that solar wind would basically Mm -hmm. sand past our atmosphere away, and there could be no life on Earth. Wow. And the reason we have that iron core is because of a complete accident. About 50 million years after the Earth formed, we believe, Mm -hmm. this is the latest theory, that this giant rock about the size of Mars came in and broadsided the Earth. There was this cataclysmic collision. And part of the Earth was blasted off into space and later condensed and became our moon. And the iron from this big rock fell to the center of the Earth. You know, iron's the very heavy element, and so it falls to the center. And it made the Earth have a very large abundance of iron and a very thin crust, because a lot of the crust got blasted off to form the moon. And so we've got plate tectonics that other planets don't have, and that keeps refreshing our continents. We've got the magnetic field that protects our atmosphere because of this. And we've got the moon. Our moon is by far the largest moon relative to the host planet of any moon in the solar system. You know, it's like 50 times bigger relationship to the planet than the next moon. And our moon maintains the rotational axis of the Earth. So we have a consistent seasons, you know, throughout the year because our axis stays in alignment. Mm-hmm. The axis of Mars, for instance, has flipped as much as 90 degrees at various times in its history. And if ours did that, you know, the northern hemisphere might boil away while the southern hemisphere froze solid because the northern hemisphere would always be pointing at the sun or the other way around. Either way, there would be no place that life could survive. So all of these coincidences or accidents or whatever you want to say uh, came together to make Earth this fabulously habitable planet. So I list a total of 13 things that make the Earth remarkably special, and other than that, we wouldn't be able to survive here. Fascinating, truly fascinating. Quick question for you. We've got about a minute before I have to take another break here, Robert. Is it Mm -hmm. possible that our planet Earth is being visited by other life forms from another planet? Well, I think it's certainly possible that it has been in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they may still be here. And in fact, they may even be inside our DNA. So, which we we could get into a little more after the break. Sounds like a plan. We, uh, um, I've always believed that there is a part of the Bible that was written to to satisfy the needs of man at the specific time in our evolution on our on the time space continuum. However. One thing that did not happen was the theological books have not kept up with the progress and the evolution of man. So is it possible that the gods of yesteryear were actually relatives to us? And this is why in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Let's talk about that when we come back on the other side of this break. Dr. Robert Petroni is my special guest. His website, Exonation, is www.guidetothecosmos.com. That's www.guidetothecosmos.com. And we're talking about Robert's new book entitled, Can Life Be Merely an Accident? I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Radio Network, and Star Cable. We'll be back. Don't go away. Are we alone? That was my question to Robert Petroni before we went to the commercial break. He's the author of Can Life Be Merely an Accident? His website is www.guidetothecosmos.com. And he also has his own radio show on webtalkradio.net entitled Guide to the Cosmos. Once again, his website is www.guidetothecosmos.com. And Robert, uh, before we went to the commercial break, uh, I kind of stirred the pot a little bit by talking about the possibility of alien intervention in or alien creation of life on this planet or genetic engineering, however you want to look at it. What do you think is possible? Well, if there are other life forms in the galaxy, then they're probably very far away because the galaxy is a very big place. Mm-hmm. And uh, my estimate is that there would only be several hundred planets as good as Earth in our Milky Way galaxy. So in talking to other scientists who are interested in this thing, I I had a 
a talk with a guy named Professor Paul Davies, who's a, a Brit that's relocated to the uh, University of Arizona. And he has a very interesting idea, and that is that these other intelligent life forms that maybe have been around for billions of years longer than us mm-hmm. sent out probes. And these probes could have been microorganisms in, in uh, rockets, or they could have been robotic systems. And these probes went out and sort of are searching the galaxy to see what's out there. Maybe they'll find us as an interesting discovery. And that these probes may have left traces on Earth that we could discover. So while the SETI program, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, has Mm -hmm. been going on for 50 years listening to radio waves, he's suggesting that maybe we ought to be searching the Earth for traces of aliens that have been here already. And one of the remarkable places that he suggests that we search for Earth is in the DNA of living creatures on Earth, that they may have, in a sense, left a message in a bottle by programming a little snippet of DNA and inserting it into you know, various life forms here. And if they put it in the right place, it wouldn't be harmful and uh, it would continue to be replicated mm-hmm. in the usual way by these organisms. And maybe we would be able to decipher a code of DNA that, you know, seemed to be artificial, have an artificial intelligence to it. I mean, you know, maybe it would be a string of prime numbers mm-hmm. or something else that, you know, wouldn't make any sense by any natural mechanism, but, you know, would have a mathematical pattern that would indicate intelligence. Robert, you and I have to say so long for now. Look forward to the next time that you're with us back here in the X-Zone. Congratulations. I'd love to do it again, Rob. You know you're going to, and because you've got a lot to say, I love what you're doing, and I wish you nothing but success, not only with your new book entitled Can Life Be Merely an Accident, but your uh, radio show as well, Guide to the Cosmos on webtalkradio.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the X-Zone continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, 1-800-610-7035, email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. I'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away.